0: What up, what up, what up? You tuned in to the Jose Morales podcast where we talk sports, business, and everything in between. I am your host, Jose Morales. And joining me in the ring today is my man, Elmer De Leon. My man, we <laughs> here. Say what's up, man. What's
1: up, guys? What's up? My name's Elmer. Last name is De Leon. In Spanish, you know what that means the <laughs> lion. Oh, yeah, you're right. Hey, yeah, that's man.
0: tight. I, ne- I, ne- I never uh, put too much thought into that. So, Elmer here, what we're going to talk about today is just a quick little summary. We're going to go into detail about uh, being a dreamer, and um, those that do not know what a dreamer is, a dreamer um, is somebody that was brought to the US uh, undocumented before the age of 16. And if you were brought uh, to the US before the age of uh, 16, you're considered a dreamer. Uh, There's not necessarily anybody undocumented. So if you came to the US as an adult, 30, 40 years old, and you came here legally, you're not a dreamer. That's not a dreamer. A dreamer is someone that was brought here by their parents or somebody, their guardian. And both uh, Elmer and I had that in common. So we're gonna share our story, we're gonna go into detail about how it was living in the U.S. as a dreamer. And, uh, but before we do that, I kinda wanted to get into a little history, a little background on both Elmer and I. Um, Elmer and I both actually lived on Sayonara. We did. Yeah, we <laughs> both lived on Sayonara <laughs> Drive back in the day. Uh, that's actually where I first came across Elmer as a kid. And then I didn't actually see him again until, because I disappeared, until we were working at Granito's. Remember Giro's the restaurant?
1: Italian restaurant. Yeah, yeah we were, we're working at the Pleasant restaurant. Grove. Yeah, you were yeah. the
0: you were the um, server, server yeah. and I was a busser. Yep. Yep. That's the next time I connected with him. And at that time, that's actually when we actually connected more. Like, I actually started talking to you more, oh. seeing you because prior to that, on uh, Sayonara, literally, it was just like a high and bye. It wasn't really like a connect, connect, like we were going out and talking. So at that time is when we, we actually shared that we were both dreamers yeah. and we got familiar yeah. with each other's story. And I remember when the Dream Act first came up, we were pumped up yeah. about it. Remember?
1: i was super excited, Randy, just to be able to get a chance to do what we've always wanted to do. Yeah. Just to get a chance. That's it. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So how old were you when you came to the U.S.? You? Parents brought me here when I was, I think it was a three and a half three and a half and and how was that for you like uh see uh, how, how like how was that like the process like did you did you how'd you get here
1: my my parents i it's there's a song out out there in spanish it's mochila azul my my <laughs> the uh i mean obviously the there's a story how you know how we get over here as illegal immigrants whatever age you are but the coyote That's right the coyote he, this guy brought me on his backpack and uh I was I was three years old, small little thing, and he just threw me in his backpack. Like he carried me. And uh, yeah, I have like little faint memories of it of just yeah, being yeah. in a backpack, and my parents are like, Yeah, he carried you in his back and, and so all this stuff. La so. mochila
0: azul, that was you, huh? Yeah, bro. You were in La <laughs> mochila azul. <laughs> yeah. Except La mochila azul, yeah. the actual song is actually a love song. It is, yeah. It is it a it love is, song. Yeah. Myself, but, yeah. I was brought to the US at 11 months old. And when I was brought here, I don't really recall, obviously, I was 11 months old. But I, all the stories, all my family, mm-hmm. what they told me, they literally uh, told me how they threw me over the border and they caught me yes. and they, made it, they make it a joke. Same
1: here, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they make it a joke of it. Yeah.
0: Um, when we got to San Diego, we actually got uh, the whole family, they t- yeah. my, my mom told me this, they got on the bus and they were trying to head uh, north to Sacramento. And I mean, we were just through the desert. So I mean, mm-hmm. we kind of stand out. You're not gonna be mm-hmm. on a public bus all full of grass, leaves, and stuff all over your hair. And they grabbed us, took us out of the bus, and put us back in TJ. We actually got deported, and then we tried again, got back. So this is, obviously, this is what was told me. I don't really recall, but this is what Mm -hmm. I them telling me. And that's how we got, ended up in Sacramento because one of my uncles was here in Sac. How did you end up in Sac? Because where are you originally from? Guatemala. Guatemala. Um, Everyone's going to say what part of Mexico, is that? <laughs> <laughs> with you. So tell them where Guatemala is, just, so, just in case people don't know where Guatemala
1: Mexico, is. Uh, not Mexico, but Guatemala is right underneath Mexico and to the left of El Salvador.
0: It's so it's nice. in Central America. Yep. Central America. Small little country. Yep. I was born in Guadalajara, Jalisco myself. My mother is from Michoacán. I was born in Guadalajara. As soon as I was born, they took me to Michoacán. My I was more raised with the Michoacán style because I didn't really know anything Jalisco. My dad is from Jalisco, but I didn't know him. So that's my roots and I ended up in Sacramento because my uncle was here and you mm-hmm. and how you end up in Sacramento?
1: My, my, my mother's uh, brothers were here first. They're the first ones that, that came over here and then they brought her and my dad over at the same time in which they brought me over at the same time too. Okay. Uh,
0: so growing up, uh, for myself, it was a little I, I could I can probably speak for you too, but how was it for you growing up uh, around? Americans going to an American school, going to being working mm-hmm. around Americans, sports around Americans, and not being American. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that is, you know, you know, we were held back from doing mm-hmm. a lot. So how was that for you? Tell me a little bit about that, how that
1: was for you. Um, I mean, up, I think up until freshman year of high school, I didn't really understand where and and the lifestyle that I was going to be living going forward, what it really meant up until then. Everything seemed normal, you know, going to school, elementary, middle school. Other than the language barrier, of course. I knew my parents spoke Spanish, and, and they didn't speak, you know, barely any English. But it wasn't until freshman year, at the end, when everyone was getting their licenses to drive, that that's when it really hit me. Yeah, see. you know, that's that's the first like taste of, wow, you're you're actually not, you're not legal. You don't have. You any, can't do. Yeah, everybody you can't else do anything. Going. Everybody was talking about. I'm gonna go get my license, you know, I got my date, and then I'm just yeah. like, and I, I'm, you know? I remember that, oh, I got my pink <laughs> slip, I got my driving yeah. test
0: and all that, that's exactly. For me, it was little before. I didn't ever really yeah. understood it either. I kinda heard things here and there, but it didn't hit me, hit me, until I was applying to do a boxing tournament. And when you do a boxing tournament, you have to fill out its application. Mm-hmm. One of the questions on the application, it says, uh, are you a US citizen? I asked my mom, I think I was like 12 years old, and then I asked her, I'm like, hey, what do I put here? She said, put none, that you're not. So I put no. Next question was, "Are you? A, uh, what's your social security number? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I asked her, I'm like, what is What is this? And she was like, you don't have one. And I was like, okay, I don't have one, all right. So I turned it in, let it go, and not having one, I went back, I gave it to my, my boxing coach, and he's all, Well, you don't have a a citizen, so you you actually participate in a different bracket. So when you do a boxing tournament, there's an open division, Mm -hmm. and then there's a novice division. The open division is for boxers that are U.S. citizens, that once you win that, you go to state, then you go to nationals, and then you have a chance to be on the Olympic team Mm -hmm. or something like that. I was never able to do that because I was not a citizen. So I always competed in novice tournaments. I always, if I did a, tur- I did a silver gloves, golden gloves, or anything like that. Um, and right there for me, which was going to bring up the next subject that I wanted to bring up, when I first found that out, I literally, because boxing for me was like everything to me. So when I found out I couldn't really fight for my goals, I literally went into a, my mindset changed. My mindset changed. It became a, Damn what can I, what, like, I'm, I can't do anything. I kind of felt like it was no point of working hard towards anything because at the end of the day, the first question they were going to ask me was, what's your social security number? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what I'm going to ask you is how did you feel during that time when you realized that you cannot do what everyone else is doing? So all these things that our people are telling you that you could do and all that, how did you feel? What went through your mind during that time when you knew you were not like the rest of the people?
1: I mean, for me, for me, like I said, the, the first instance was the whole license thing, and I did a little research back then because I knew my parents. You know, they didn't have the greatest; they didn't have any education actually. So, I started going online at school and really looking into what the whole immigration thing was, and found out what it you know means to be illegal, and all the things that you're going to be held back from college and all those things. But When I found out, man, that was probably one of the most like I think more of the most confused times in my life, and depressing times in my life as a as a freshman in high school. Yeah, I was super depressed.
0: I'll be real. I was very very depressed. It was just yeah. It was just I didn't feel like Mm -hmm. I wanted to do anything uh, that had to do with bettering myself. Like I felt like school was pointless Mm -hmm. because I get a bachelor's degree. What now? You can't get a job Mm -hmm. because you don't have a social. So I kind of felt like I was between a rock and a hard spot mm-hmm. for real, and life seems pointless. That, yeah, It, it, it yeah. became that way to me, no joke, that it was a point where I was, when I was working at the smog shop, I was literally getting ready to leave back to Mexico because I was at the point with myself where I couldn't make the U.S. Olympic team and I could probably possibility uh, try to qualify for the Mexican uh, Olympic team that I decided, why don't I just go back to Mexico, mm-hmm. train, and make a life in Mexico where I would have these opportunities that are holding me back here? And I even actually applied for two jobs and had Skype interviews. I was literally right there to leave when I got a new uh, – uh, it was actually before the smoke shop. I was at the tire shop, which was right after Granitos mm-hmm. where we worked. Oh, was it? Right yeah, right after that, yeah. I worked at a tire shop. Oh. And during that time is when I was getting ready to leave to Mexico when then I got off wow. the decision – at a smog shop, and oh. that smog shop p- p- pumped the brakes for me. Was like, hold up, let's let's do this, and and that's when I decided, you know what, you're right, let's do this, let's give this another shot. Mm-hmm. Right now, right before this, when you and I were talking, we you brought up that you had that canvas on the on, on your mm-hmm. in your house that says I just it, bought it. Yeah, right on Tuesday. It. Yeah. It say, what did you say? It says started from the bottom. It started from yeah. the bottom. Now we're here. So Elmer showed up to the gym right now, and he was like, man, this is nice, man. It's impressive, and. Um, he knows this more than anything because he knows where we came from. So when you see that and you see where everybody struggled to get here, that's why it's so big to mm-hmm. you. Like what I see what you're doing now is so impressive to, me because, impressive to me because I know what we both went through to get here. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So the fact that I bring that up is you said that you bought that campus and I say you should have got one that said we started from the border <laughs> and now we're here. Yeah. And the reason why I bring this up is because I don't know if you ever watched I don't know if you ever watched the. Um, there's a video on. I think it's on Instagram where they put everyone on the line. Have you ever watched that? And then it says, um, "Take one step forward if you were raised by two parents. Uh, take five steps forward if whatever the heck." Have you ever yeah. watched that? No, I haven't. No. So the yeah. point of that video, I don't really agree that they should have done yeah. that at a high school because a lot of high schools did it. I mean, there's a good way to make some kids feel bad. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they lined up a whole bunch of kids. From different backgrounds, uh-huh. all different backgrounds, and they pretty much they wanted to show what it's like to be born with, you know, ahead of a game. It's uh, uh-huh. and, you know you got some advantages. Everyone has some advantages and disadvantages. It at the end of the day, it does not matter. What matters is what uh-huh. you do with them. And they did that. They like take Dang. two steps forward. If you did this, and everyone lines up, and they said, now we're gonna start this race. Uh-huh. The race is to the end of the floor. Uh, to him, whatever, whoever gets there gets $100 first, and everyone's spread out. You know, you got some front people yeah. that are damn near by the $100 bill already. You got some people that are way in the back, and then they said, All right, we're going to say go. But who do you think is going to win? Do you feel like just because you're right here in the front, you got it? Or do you think the people in the back have no chance? And the reason why I bring this up is that analogy works for everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody. But for a dreamer, we are not even on that line yet. Mm-hmm. That's why I say that, you know, people say you started from the bottom, now we're here. We weren't even at the bottom, for real. That's why I say we started mm-hmm. from the border and now we're here because it's nothing, damn near nothing, nothing. You're not existing. And then there's a bottom. Mm-hmm. And then you work your way to wherever you're yep. going because that is really what it's like to be a dreamer because we first have to find our spot to even get there. We're not existing. We're not here. We don't have a social. Yeah. We don't have nothing. So we don't even have the opportunities that everyone even starts off with. And I think for myself, I'm very – how do you feel about this? Are you happy with – or how do you feel about the fact that you were born a dreamer? Do you feel that was uh, an advantage to you or a disadvantage? Or do you think it motivated you, made you work harder? How do you feel about it now that you look back? Would you do it again or will you not? How do you feel about it?
1: I mean, I, I think – oh, man, that's a tough question because it's – It's definitely shaped me into who I am today, and I'm a very motivated individual because of that. exactly. But would I want someone to go through that experience? No. Oh, yeah, it was horrible. I've been through it, I've lived it, and I'm still living through it. But I I would never want any young kid to go through the things and feelings and the confusion and all those things in their lives to feel like I'm nobody in this country, but yet I want so much to be part of it. So – it, yeah, I, I really don't have an answer, you yeah. know. Um, I,
0: I agree. Also, I mean, it's not a good thing to offer it to anybody or make anybody uh, live through that. Mm-hmm. But one thing I will say, the fact that I lived through that, and made me mm-hmm. appreciate. Well, the day I got my driver's license for the first time, I couldn't stop staring at it, bro. Mm-hmm. No joke. I looked at it probably for like a week straight. I could not believe yeah. I finally had a driver's license. Same thing yeah. with my social security. And I probably I probably you yeah, probably felt I the did same the way. Same exact thing, man. It was such a blessing yeah. to me. It was not your typical yeah. like I guarantee your 16 year old didn't feel this way. I looked at yeah. it, I still look at it and I don't believe it. It was such a blessing to me. Mm-hmm. And it made me appreciate this that much more. Yes, I don't think anyone else should live through that because it was that it was hard. It was not a good time. I mean, not everyone is strong minded mm-hmm. and pushed through it. Some people we don't know how many people yeah. probably committed suicide because of this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We don't know. There's probably some people that didn't make it. And for that, myself, I feel like it made me an animal. It made me a beast. Mentally, I felt like nothing could stop me. The fact that I was able to live through that, now I know business-wise, in the ring when I competed, when I do anything in life, nothing's going to stop me because I know I can do it. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's where, Mm -hmm. in a way, it would be kind of cool to get somebody else to feel that same way about being here. We get so many things handed to us and we just don't appreciate it as much because we didn't have to fight for it. And we had to fight for that social. We had a fight for that driver's license and we had a fight for that right to be here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And which is which is which is uh, something that makes us really love this I, Yeah, man. I you know I am saying? I am yeah. One thing somebody always brought up to me is military. Um, had Did you ever uh, try to join the military to get your paperwork or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, man,
1: when I was back then, whenever I was it? T- 21. At 21, when I didn't think there was anything that was going to come up, I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe I should do the military. Four years of my life to have the rest
0: of my life. It's worth Set. it. It's worth it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I also do the same thing. I actually, the first thing I tried to join was the Navy when my boy Anthony, David's brother, actually, he he wanted to join the navy, so he was very close to me, and I was like, you know what, let's do it together. I'll get my paperwork right. Didn't work. After that, I went on my own. I tried to join the army and the air force. I mean, the army and the marines. I really wanted to join the army because at that time I was kind of like interested in their boxing program, and they had a firefighter training that I thought a firefighter was pretty cool, and none of them let me. They're like, you need to be at least a resident or something, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't do it. So the reason why I bring that up is a lot of people feel like, oh, why don't you just join the military and get your paperwork? Man, the military doesn't even accept you. So it was just, even that option was not there. So another thing I'm going to bring up to you as far as being a dreamer, how was it for you to find a job when you were undocumented? What kind of jobs did you get? How was that for you? Was it good jobs? Was it shitty jobs? Was it easy? Was it hard? How was it for you? For me, I mean, the only jobs
1: that I could get into was the restaurant jobs. Yeah. That was it. I was a busser. I was a server. I was basically a food runner. That's all I did, you know, and and I didn't I didn't get my license. Like, I don't know, it's probably because you and I are the same age, but I didn't get mine until I literally got my license in the mail on my birthday when I was 25. bro. that's when I got my license. And, wow, that's when and, you got it. Yeah, that's when I got it. And I filed the paperwork a couple months, and then I finally got it, went to yeah. the DMV and all that stuff. And so on my birthday, it's when it came in the mail, man. I just like I was like, so it was a birthday present. Yeah, it was a birthday Happy present, birthday bro. Happy birthday you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, myself, yeah, mm-hmm. it was very similar for me. It was very uh, under-the-table jobs, uh, janitorial jobs I did. I did also a shitload of restaurant jobs, everything, dishwasher to server, busser, host. The only thing I did not ever do at a restaurant was actually serve. I never mm-hmm. served because I was always too young to serve. Mm-hmm. You have to be at least 18. And the restaurants I was at knew my mom and they knew I wasn't 18. You know how you could mm-hmm. kind of hide and lie mm-hmm. that you're 19 and all that? <laughs> I actually never did that. Um, but, yeah, it was it was difficult. I got, I got a couple jobs that I know. Like when I worked at the tire shop, I honestly feel like they knew my precision and they, they knew what they could do as far as. Like they could get away with, it. oh, well, this guy is not going to get another job. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel like people treated you that way or no?
1: No. I mean, with me, I, with the restaurants, it was just I, I never disclosed that. And it was and I feel embarrassed to say, but I hid that part of my life because I it, it was just a I didn't want people knowing and I didn't want to get treated differently. No, than that, I and that's knew. a great. And it's, so. it's
0: good that you brought that up because I for for a long time, I never spoke mm-hmm. it, about it to anybody. Anybody, yeah. I kept it hidden too because yeah. you feel like you I mean you anyone finds out what you're doing or anything happens I mean you're kind of in a way uh, out there you know what I mean yeah. you get deported you get anything mm-hmm. so I kept it a secret until I was on my very first podcast mm-hmm. is when I let the world know and I actually had a big talk with my family about it, it like should I do it should I not and in in having a business it was kind of like man how is everybody in your business gonna look at you now are you gonna lose clients? Mm-hmm. Are people gonna wanna come to your business now because you are you were undocumented? Are you gonna this, are you gonna that? At the end of the day, I was like, you know, it does not matter because if I lose clients because of what I went through in my life, then you obviously should not be, I shouldn't be associated with you because mm-hmm. you're judging me off something I went through in my life, a struggle that I went through. So I was like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck if I lose clients, I lose friends, I lose anything. I could even lose, like it might. Let's say my best friend suddenly didn't want to be my friend because of this, bro. You're not, you're not a friend then. You know what I mean? And honestly, everybody that I once I disclosed it, and I'm so, and I'm very prideful of it. Um, I didn't lose anybody. I had a couple people kind of bring it up one time, but they actually were like, "I'm blessed that you, you speak about it, you are open about it." And I have, I'm around blessed people. I'm, I'm blessed to be around great people. In mm-hmm. other words everyone here is great at the gym and I love them to death and so I feel you though because I was like that for a long time I was embarrassed to say anything because of that and you're totally right bro when you were when you were um working did you um get internal did you get an internal revenue service the IRS low, I think it's an ITN number like internal uh, tax number it's ITN it's called an mm-hmm. ITN number did you get one to do taxes when you were yeah uh, you did right yeah So that's one thing I try to tell people. Um, The IRS actually gives you a number, which is like a social security number. And all you can do with that number is pay taxes. So when people say, this is a little bit, a little side note, a little off subject, but I'm gonna throw it in there. That shit drove me nuts. I hated the fact that we get mistreated. Um, We weren't weren't able to get Mm -hmm. no driver's license. All these things that we're paying taxes for and then on TV, you'll get people say that, oh, they don't pay taxes. I'm like, wait, hold up. Who doesn't? Because you could look at all my taxes. Mm-hmm. And I paid taxes the whole time I was undocumented. <laughs> I paid taxes. And <laughs> Man, you, you did, did too?
1: Yeah. I mean, I that that's interesting because I never really thought about it. I just always thought I was doing the right thing. Yeah. Well, it is doing the right thing. You know? It is the uh, right thing.
0: It, I didn't think about it until later yeah. on when I was like, you know what? That's fucked up. Yeah. Because we're paying taxes. Right. Yeah. And we can't do all that. I
1: don't even have a, yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. like.
0: I get it, whatever. Well, the best way you can kind of describe it is um, my friend uh, My friend told me this, and it's true. He's imagine when you go to someone's house. You're at someone's house, and your kid gets in trouble. But then your kid is there with his friend, and they both did something at your house mm-hmm. that gets in trouble. Is your kid going to get in the same type of trouble as his friend that doesn't live there, that, that is not his house? Probably not. Your kid is probably going to get timed out go to the room, get a couple spanking, Mm -hmm. that's it. The other kid is probably gonna get kicked the fuck out the Mm -hmm. house, don't ever come back to my house. That's how the way you gotta kinda look at it. You know what I mean? You kinda gotta have to look at it as we're visiting, we're not really Mm from here. Even though we've been here Mm -hmm. all all our lives on paper, we're we're technically not supposed to be here. So that's where I, I that we after hearing that I kind of was like okay you kind of gotta understand it, and that's when the first time I heard about the Dream Act. Do you remember the first time you heard about it?
1: I did. Yeah, man. I was in high school. I, yeah. it, was it was rumors. It like, was rumors. Yeah, yeah, it was
0: called the Dream Act at the beginning. It, not DACA. Now it's DACA. You know what's I
1: crazy? Should. That's the one thing that one rumor, because we graduated out of high school when we were eighteen. Yeah. For seven years, that was the one thing that I hung onto, as hope that someday it would it would be established. Yep. Very true. And I did the same thing, brother.
0: I did the exact same thing. I was like, man. And uh, I remember the Dream Act actually got shut down. Mm -hmm. Several times. It got shut down because it first came up as a Dream Act. And what that was supposed to be is we were actually going to get citizenship. Mm -hmm. It was like you you get full throttle. You're a U.S. citizen since you've been here since a kid. And they got shut down. And it didn't finally pass until Barack Obama brought it back and brought it back as a deferred action mm-hmm. for childhood arrivals and what that is is what is a dreamer now that every two years you have to renew your your permit mm-hmm. to be here and there's a work permit so every two years you get a new work permit and then you pay and you pay biannually which I don't think they're ever gonna take away because you know how much money they're making no. off of that they're making a mm-hmm. crazy amount of money they will not remove that ever I don't believe so because And I also believe they will never take it away and deport everybody because that's a lot of money they have to spend to deport everybody. Also, there's a lot of money they lose out on. Do I agree with it? No, I think they should do something to make sure that we're citizens. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion. Um, I mean, since this is our life, we've been here since forever. Uh, uh, But yeah, that's how do you feel about the future of of DACA. Like I know there's been a lot of rumors you that know. they're gonna take away, they're gonna do this, they're gonna do that. How do you feel about it?
1: I I'm I don't I that's uh, it's rough because I'm hoping for the best, but anything can happen. Yeah. You know, I've seen crazy things happen and so I'm just making I'm trying to be the the best of the most I can be while I have the chance that I do. Yep. Just just in general. But I'm hoping for the best obviously. I have a kid now, you know, I the last thing I would ever want Happen is for me to go undocumented, and what, what, what's going to happen?
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, I feel the same way. There's rumors that they wanted to take away and do all that. I came to peace with myself that whatever happens, whatever it is, I'll make it anywhere. Exactly. I'll make it anywhere. Yeah. You could put me in the middle of Africa or in China. Mm-hmm. I won't know the language, my mindset, and my work ethic. I'll make it anywhere. And if they don't want me here. I'll find it, I'll make it happen somewhere else. I love it here, this is my home. I love Sacramento, Mm -hmm. uh, everyone knows that. I love everything, I love this community, I love this family, I hope that never happens. I wanna stay here forever. But, in my mindset is, I'm not gonna sit here and feel depressed over whatever is not in my hands. Mm -hmm. I'll make it happen anywhere and just keep it going. But real talk, I don't think that will happen. Um, I think it will stay deferred action forever, and every two years we're gonna be paying, mm-hmm. which is okay. I don't mind. I don't mind paying. Um, that'll be our little, that'll be our our little yeah. sla- our little uh, <laughs> punishment for the rest of our lives, which I'm okay with. How was the process for you when you first get got DACA? How was that for you?
1: Uh, for me it wasn't yeah. uh, i mean i remember I, you, yeah. you
0: we would call each other a lot you were yeah. like hey you're doing this you do that you did it with an attorney right? i did
1: it with a lawyer um and that's the other thing too i mean when, with these things a lot of people will benefit from the people that don't benefit are us having to pay yeah, the thousands of everywhere, dollars everywhere. and because you don't know any better you know and so you're like, person says yeah i can do the paperwork for you it's going to cost you x amount and you're just like great i, I mean if you would have charged me more i would have paid it yeah because we have no choice yeah
0: yeah very true. Mm-hmm. I have actually was blessed with the fact that my best friend, my compadre Eric, his wife, they really helped me through everything. Um, and and myself, I literally, when, when it passed, this is how excited I was about it. When it passed, I literally stayed up all night reading all the applications, figuring out what exactly I had to do, and I made it happen. I remember the song I was listening to. I put a song on repeat. I was so pumped for that moment. There was no way in hell I didn't have everything done ASAP because that's how bad I wanted my license. Mm -hmm. That's how bad I wanted my social. And that's how bad I was ready to go on and move on with my life. I was fed up with where I was at. And that's how pumped up I was. I didn't sleep. And um, and I, I got it right away. I, <laughs> I did everything, followed that shit, yeah. put it together. And I remember there was a lot of people that were like, oh, maybe it's a trap. They want to know where yeah. you live to come deport you. Remember that? Yep. Anyone ever tell yep. you that? I'm like, bro. I, I thought about it, man. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people yeah. said that to me, too. Like, oh, you shouldn't do that because they just want to know where you're at when they come deport you. Oh, like, look, you think they really don't know where I'm at? They are probably <laughs> already know where I'm at. And if that is what is going on. You can live in fear all your life. Oh, don't do that because it's going to happen you're gonna have a very depressed life because you're gonna be never taking any risks. And to do anything in life, you have to take risks. Whatever kind of risk it is. Just driving to work is a risk. You may get hit by a car. You may get in a car accident. So if you're gonna live all sheltered and afraid to do anything because something may happen, then uh good luck to good luck mm-hmm. with you with life. <laughs> so when you finally got yeah. DACA, tell me what happened. What changed for you for you as
1: I uh, I wanted to work. I wanted to make money. I wanted to you so know. you
0: were get, already working, but now what I what you mean by that is you, you're ready to start making real money, yeah. a Real job, a career job that mm-hmm. we didn't have that you didn't have before. Correct?
1: I yeah. I started a trucking business within the first month that I got my all of my paperwork. I had some money saved away. My mother had some money saved away. I had two uncles in the trucking business that owned their businesses, and they just. Help me with all the paperwork
0: and. I remember. And, I remember we went yeah. to go eat at a Mexican restaurant right before mm-hmm. that, and you were te- you were talking your ear off about your trucking. Yeah. I remember. I you was were telling me up, I'm yeah. going to do this. I'm yeah. going to do that. I was like, bro, that's yeah. dope, bro. I'm excited for you. Yeah. Um, are you still doing the trucking? No, no. I sold the
1: business uh, four years ago. I sold it. I sold it because in a. It just wasn't for me. Trucking, trucking business is, is a rough business. It yeah. is. And wanted, so what do yeah. you
0: recommend for anybody trying to do a business, a trucking business? What do you recommend to them as far as doing it? If, if, if I'm right now a 20-year-old man getting into, and I'm, oh, yeah, trucking sounds cool. What would be your tip to me as a 20-year-old man thinking about doing uh, trucking? What would be your tip?
1: Uh, it would be getting to know other people who have been in the business for a long time and then seeing if that lifestyle is what you want for the rest of your life.
0: And that's a good point yeah. that you brought that up cuz I don't know if you ever know this about me I'm gonna tell you. I was a I was in the service I was a service manager at a dealership and I was making great money. I was making over 100k a year. I worked Monday through Thursday, all Friday, Saturday, and Sunday spoiled mm-hmm. as can be on paper. Mm-hmm. But Monday I fucking hated my job. Hated my job on Monday. And what helped me is that right there, what you said. What do you do? Get familiar with people that have already done it. And when we had a a, a, a regional uh, meeting with all the uh, service managers in the dealership, I talked to a dude that had been in the game for 20 years, and I asked him. And when I asked him this, I wanted to know, uh, I wanted to know what it was, uh, what it was like to be in the game for 20 years and learn off of him. So I asked him, "What would you do different if you were me?" And the guy told me, "I would get the hell out of it." I would do something else. He's like, I've been divorced three times. Um, I got diabetes now. I'm not healthy, blah, blah, blah. When he told me that, that's when I started saving money for a gym. That's oh, all shit. I'm definitely doing you know. it. He woke me up. Because I was comfortable. I could easily stay there for the rest of my life because mm-hmm. the money was good, comfortable the job. I hated but the money was great. And When money is great, it's hard to walk away from. Yep. So that's good that you brought that up because it's a great tip. When you're around, when you are going to do anything in life, Find somebody that's doing it and has been doing it a long time. Look at their lifestyle. Look at how they live, how they work, how they're everything. And if you want their life and that looks like a great life to you and you see they're happy and they're telling you they're happy and everything fits you, do it. Go for it. But it doesn't fit you, leave it alone. Find something else. Find your passion. But we got a little bit off uh, off subject there. I just wanted to make sure what changed for you. And it was similar for what changed for me. When I got DACA, um, I actually – Uh, I left the smog shop and that's when I got my first uh, dealership job and the funny thing about that for me is I always wanted to work when I was a kid I mean like a teenager I was like oh I want to do smog on cars I want to do this and I got that job when I was actually working on cars and I had a smog shop I I I was working at the smog shop I told myself I want to work at a dealership because a dealership to mom and pop shops is like is like the pedicle is like Mm -hmm. oh shit you're working at a dealership you know what I mean like you're Making good money, you got benefits. You have this, you have that, and that was what I wanted. So when DACA came, I got that. I finally got that that job that I wanted, the career, and I was so happy. My wife, um, my my wife now she was my girlfriend at the time. She was pregnant. Uh, We were about to have our first kid, and and this all kind of fell right on the right perfect timing. My kid was coming. I got this job at a dealership, and it, was, it couldn't be more better because I was getting a good job and, and, and it was all thanks to DACA. Otherwise, I would have been fucked. I would have to work two jobs or something to mm-hmm. support both of them if that's what I wanted <laughs> yeah. to do. Um, but yeah, so what What would you tell anybody besides now? what would you? Is there any tips or anything you would tell anybody that's undocumented or going through a similar situation or feeling kind of how we felt? What would you tell them to, what What did you do to push through not being able to fight for your goals in your life? what did you do and where did you tell yourself to stay motivated? What would you tell somebody that's going through that right now
1: i I kept my biggest thing was I kept help, but being undocumented it, you you won you 'll meet other people who are undocumented out there but just aren't motivated right you'll always get the uh, half and half people who don't have that opportunity or do and won't do anything with it. Bottom line for me, being being in the state that I'm in and where I was, it just made me somebody who was really hungry, mm-hmm. and like he said earlier, I I came to realization and I came to uh, being okay with the fact that all right, if I don't get my license ever, if I don't become a citizen ever, it is what it is. I'm gonna make it wherever I go. Yep. You know, I'll figure it out. And and That's you know, the being, mindset you need. You need yeah. a
0: you need a who gives a fuck kind of mm-hmm. mindset. Really, exactly. I don't care. And and that. And that I don't care. What I mean by that is, I'll make it happen. I don't care where you put me in; I'll make it happen. Exactly. Start thinking like yeah. that and believe in it. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, last thing that I'm going to say to this is, thank you, Omar, for coming on here mm-hmm. and accepting my invitation. But I appreciate, appreciate you yeah. like crazy. This is a very touchy feel, a very touchy subject, and it's something that a lot, and a lot of people don't want to talk about it, and. I decided to bring this on to you because we lived it together. I literally mm-hmm. was talking to you about it with you. We were together in the process, and I did, we didn't want to do this with anybody else but you. And I'm very blessed, and I'm very thankful that you accepted, that you came here on your day off. You could have been somewhere else, and you decided to be here. So thank you for that. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. How can people connect with you? Uh, what do you do for a living? How can people support your business and what you do? What Tell us.
1: I'm a loan officer. Uh, three, four years ago when I sold the trucking business, I, uh, I sold it because of the lifestyle. But I, I knew a couple of friends who were loan officers back then, and they were living the life that I wanted. They, they were home, and I always wanted a family, a wife, and kids. And so got with them, got to know what they did. And then one of my friends that I grew up with as well said, you know what, you should apply, man. I did, and I've been with the company now for, yeah, four years and I love it, I love the company I'm with, it's called Loan Pal, um, I do mortgages, refinances, I can help you get into a home if you wanted to, See, or at least show you if you wanted to qualify, You know the things that you would need, the income, and all those type of things. Yeah, Basically, I do you the numbers, give you, exactly. Give yeah. you an idea, which is actually
0: mm-hmm. best, I noticed when I bought, is you wanna get pre-approved whatever much money you are, and then you have an idea what kind of home you're gonna be in. Mm-hmm. Don't do the opposite and go house shopping, and then yeah. not be able to afford exactly. it. <laughs> you yep, know what I mean? Yep. So uh, the first person you yep. want to see is this guy, and then go look yep. at the houses. But um, how can we get in contact with you? Your social media, your number? Well, how, how can we contact you? Your email, What, what how?
1: Yeah, uh, my uh, my office number is always open to anybody who wants to call, 916-262-8631, and I welcome all cell phone calls too, 916-224-3159.
0: Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Elmer. Thank you, everyone for listening. Like always, give some feedback, leave us a review. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and we out.